Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, April 11th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White, and Chris Towers is back. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of opening day weekend. Uh, I guess not opening day, that doesn't make sense. Opening weekend. Lots of games going on. Waiver wire ads, players to drop. Velocity readings, people kind of freaking out about that. Uh, <laughs> we've got the Worryometer on a Monday and much more. So many standout performances, but who reigned above the rest? Let's find out. Oh my good goodness gracious! And I'm still working on oh my goodness gracious. It was a busy weekend, but people are sending in submissions, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make that rotation. I promise. Chris, why don't you kick us off? I can only wonder where will Chris go for mm. oh my goodness gracious? Mm. Well, I think, you know, three games in is the perfect time for a victory. It's not a victory lap. Byron Buxton is awesome. He had three home runs in the first three games of the season. One of them was maybe the most impressive home run of the season so far. 101 mile an hour fastball above the strike zone that he hit 436 feet. Byron Buxton's really, really awesome. He got hit by a pitch today. Didn't manage, manage to not get hurt. That's like four since the start of spring that he's been able to play through. So... It's all coming up Byron today. Mm. It was a good weekend overall for uh, for the Chris fan club because John Carlos Stan, we were talking beforehand, homered in each of his first two games. He has three more mm-hmm. hits on Sunday okay. night. So everything's looking good for Chris. Well, Nolan Arenado seems to be out to personally uh, <laughs> make me look like an idiot so far. So that wasn't great. But yeah, no. It, I'd love to see Byron Buxton and John Carlos Stanton healthy and mashing. That's, it's that's, pretty, that's what they do. It's pretty fun to go to Byron Buxton's StatCast page and look at his average exit velocity so far. <laughs> 101 mile an hour. It's, uh, wow. It is godly, god level. Oof. Yeah. yeah he's really Byron good, man. Just stay healthy, man. I mean, it's starting to look more and more like what he did last year. It's kind of just who the who who he is now. Uh, obviously, it's a super small sample size, but he did it in spring training as well. Just stay healthy. That's all we need from Byron Buxton. If it happens, lots of power, lots of speed, uh, and hopefully a good batting average as well. Not really anything actionable with Byron Buxton, so we'll just remind you that he's awesome. And so far, uh, he leads baseball with three home runs. Scott, who is your oh my goodness gracious player of the weekend? Well, I feel like the talk of the league right now and and certainly he's making me say, oh my goodness gracious as well, is the rookie for the Cleveland Guardians, Stephen Kwan, who, remember when he won a job in spring training? I was like, yeah, I don't know. the the. It doesn't sound like, at least among writers on the Guardians beat, they don't sound particularly enthused. They kind of make it sound like he just... 
He's he just won an open spot on the roster, and I don't know that he's going to be an integral part of the lineup. Well, it looks like he's an integral part of the lineup now, because all he's done in three games started all of them, which is saying something in and of itself. Because we've seen a lot of off days for uh, players we think of as everyday players already. But Quan has started all three games for the Guardians. He went five for five on Sunday. He has been up to the plate in all fourteen times and gotten on base twelve of those times. <laughs> The two times he hasn't gotten on base weren't strikeouts, and that means now that going back to spring training, we have now seen Quan come up to the plate 48 times, 48 plate appearances, and not a single strikeout. I think it's fair to say his contact skills translate <laughs> to the majors. I, 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 I'm okay. I'm comfortable saying that now. I'm also comfortable saying he's going to stick around uh, we had Guardians haven't faced a left-hander yet as a starting pitcher, and he's a left-handed batter, so you know, still some question. Would they sit him against a lefty? I, I mean, he's continued to hit when lefty relievers have come in, so I'm hopeful he will continue to bat against lefties. I mean, what else do they have, really? I think the question with Quan, Quan is just how usable is he going to be in fantasy, even if we buy the contact skills completely. He's not going to steal bases for you. How much power is there? Well, he hit 12 home runs in 77 minor league games last year. That's a nice pace. Didn't show much power before then. So far in the majors, it's been all line drives and ground balls. There hasn't really been any many fly balls to speak of. But he's hit the ball hard enough to be, you know, a guy who could potentially hit 20 or so home runs in a season. I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out. I I, I've, I was getting a lot of questions today. Oh, do I drop a kill Badu for him? Do I drop, you know, Joe just, Adele? I, yeah, yeah, Joe Adele. Well, that's that's he's got his own weird situation going on. And I would say, look, if 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 you're talking about a base dealer in a categories league, it's going to be kind of hard to to make that switch because you know Quan's not going to give you steals. And again, there's a question how much power he's going to give you. But if you're talking a points league. Or if you're talking, you know, another fringy outfielder who you're not expecting steals from, I, I think you have to make the swap. I mean, he's he's only 21% rostered, so he's widely available still. And uh, you know, I, I I think he could he could be a pretty big deal. He could be pretty special. By the way, Scott, uh, Stephen Kwan did start on Sunday against Chris Bubich left-handed pitcher. So he was batting second in the oh, lineup in that yeah, okay. in that game. So another vote Sorry, of confidence. I they faced a righty. Another vote of confidence for uh Steven Kwan there. And I think once they traded yep. away Bradley Zimmer the other day, I think that that was also another level of confidence for him in that okay, we know what we have in this guy. We feel pretty confident we're going to start him. We're going to not only are we going to yep. start him, we're going to bat him near the top of that lineup. So now right. they got second against the lefty. That's what I was yeah. about to say. Straw Kwan uh, hitting ahead of Jose Ramirez. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of run scoring opportunities for both of those guys. Chris, another outfielder who had a big weekend, and I just want to kind of compare the two because I'm getting a lot of questions about both of them, is someone that you liked, and it's Andrew Vaughn. He started all three games for the White Sox. Mm -hmm. He had two home runs. One was off of a lefty, one was off of a righty. Uh, the one off of a lefty, by the way, clutch home run, ninth inning against Gregory Soto on Friday. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is 49% rostered. Who would you rather add right now? Vaughn or Stephen Kwan? It would be Vaughn. I was drafting him in a lot of places with a late round pick. Um, 
I just, I think there's much more potential for him to be a difference maker than Stephen Kwan. Although Kwan, you know, certainly has a, an easier path to everyday at bats with, you know, if the White Sox are healthy, AJ Pollock left Saturday's game with a hamstring injury. So, you know, who knows whether that's going to be the kind of thing that lingers and allows Andrew Vaughn. But look, if he, if Andrew Vaughn's right, like what we've seen so far this season, he's hitting the ball really, really hard. His average exit velocity, it's only three games, but 98 miles per hour. Um, he showed that kind of upside in the minors as a amateur and in stretches last season. So I would rather have him than Quan because like, I think the most likely outcome for Stephen Quan is he's like David Fletcher probably like, you know, in terms of like the high, I guess the OBP might be better for Quan will, will probably be better for Quan in a way that I, could I, make I'll, his I'll, upside I'll higher, but our potential than that. Like, like I said, 12 home runs in 77 minor league games last year. I don't know yeah. that he's going to be a 20 homer guy, but I'll give him double digits if he's playing yeah. every day. So maybe- sure. But if it's, if it's 12, like the difference between him and David Fletcher, if it's 12 home runs is, you know, because David Fletcher is going to steal more bases. So, you know, I, but like in terms of the overall fantasy impact, it's not a profile that I find terribly exciting based on what we've seen in the minors from him. Andrew Vaughn is a much more exciting prospect for me. But that's not to say I'm not interested in Stephen Kwan. You know, there, there's there's a chance that he's, you know, sub-peak Michael Brantley. You know, someone who hits 18 homers and drives in a bunch of runs because he's, you know, making so much contact. So... It's not, there's not nothing there for sure, but I would rather have Vaughn. Points right. league, Vaughn or Quan. Oh, they rhyme. Vaughn or Quan. Uh, Vaughn or Quan in a points league. I would, I would still, I would go, still with, go Vaughn. I would still go Vaughn. I think the overall upside is, is higher, but again, it's not it selling, is. it's not selling Quan short. I like him. I like him a lot too. So, you know, roster space is limited. And, and while Vaughn is platooning, Look, I just, I'm just not sure how much I'm Vaughn hasn't struck out either. Vaughn started all three <laughs> games this weekend too, Scott. So I, I don't know if he actually is platooning. I thought he sat for Gavin Sheets on uh, which day was it? I the, think the, he their second game. I think he got in the lineup because maybe AJ, he came in early after Pollock left the game. AJ Pollock left. Yeah, Pollock did leave that yeah. game. Yeah, Vaughn was not in Saturday's lineup. Ah, uh, correct. All right. Well, but Scott, like the I mean, ideal version of of Andrew Vaughn is also someone who doesn't strike out very much and and, right. and hits for power. So yeah. Scott, I'll throw one more okay. name in the mix here with, with these two. Uh, Connor Joe, of course. We've got to talk about Connor Joe. Hit a home run on Saturday. He stole a base on Sunday. He played all three games this weekend. We didn't know exactly what the playing time would look like. We were hopeful that he would play every day. Uh, and so far, he's done that. He hit sixth against the two righties he faced, and then he led off on Sunday against Julio Arias, who is a lefty. So 32% rostered is Connor Joe. How do you rank those three? Vaughn, Quan, Joe. I think I would say... Joe Von Quan. Sounds I, like an actual name. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, until we see the playing time shake out for Vaughn, like I, I feel like Vaughn is the least playable of the three right now. And in Joe's case, you know, if there's a full week away from Coors Field, you might sit him. We'll Although they are this, at we'll Coors, Coors Field this goes. week, right? Four games at Coors Field this upcoming week, and the other two are at Texas against bad pitchers. So yeah, I do like Connor Joe for this upcoming week. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, my biggest concern for Joe was just how much would they play him? And it seems like they're as committed to playing him as any team is committed to playing to anybody. Because like I said, at the top, we saw a lot of, we saw a lot of guys get days off over the weekend. 
All right. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. I want to talk about one of the most added starting pitchers right now in fantasy baseball, and that is Kyle Wright, who went up against the Cincinnati Reds on Saturday. He threw six shutout innings, two hits, one walk, six strikeouts. He had 12 swinging strikes on 76 pitches, eight of those 12 swinging strikes on the curveball, which... The velo on that pitch was up three miles per hour. The velo on his sinker was up uh, 1.2 miles per hour compared to last year. And he used that curveball nearly 41% in this start. Last year, that was only 14%. So, Chris, that's something that stands out to me right away. The velo up for Kyle Wright and using this curveball more than we've ever seen before. I, you know, he was kind of just like two-pitcher-ish um, on in the start on Saturday. So I don't really know mm-hmm. what the overall upside is, but he's available. He's widely available, only 27% rostered. What are your thoughts on Kyle Wright? Well, the problem with Kyle Wright in the past has been walks, and I believe he walked one in this outing. He had one walk in spring training in like nine innings. So that's a good sign, and maybe it's it's something where you know the sinker-curveball combination, which he threw 84% of the time today, uh, after I think he was like 25 to 30% with those two pitches last season, Maybe that's something that's allowed him to throw strikes more consistently. And if that's the case, you know, people have always liked the stuff with Kyle, right? So I don't know. I think it's worth taking a look at. I I can't say I'm breaking the bank for him where he's available. I, I put in like a 9% bid in, in one of our leagues. So, you know, I don't know if I'll get him and I'm not beating the door down. But yeah, it's it's certainly interesting. Certainly someone who's who's worth a, a look. Yeah, and again, I mentioned he's a popular ad right now, and in leagues with Fab that I play in, my 12-team Tout Wars League, he went for $143 out of a $1,000 Fab budget on Sunday night. In my 15-team main event in the NFBC, he went for $122 out of $1,000. So people are being aggressive right now with Kyle Wright. Just, Just to put that into context, these are leagues... where like Kyle Wright is the best player available. These are these are leagues where Stephen Kwan's already gone. Right. Mm, Quan was available in Tout Wars. Yeah, Quan was available in my TGFBI, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah, lucky ducks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I think but, part of it know, is like Tyler McGill or Kyle Wright. I'm taking Tyler McGill. I would right? same. Yeah. So he's Merrill Kelly or Kyle Wright. I'm taking Merrill Kelly. We haven't gotten into what he did this weekend, but I'm yeah. very impressed. Yeah, Merrill Kelly in that start against the Padres. Four shutouts, seven strikeouts. He had 12 swinging strikes on 75 pitches. Uh, seven of those came on the changeup, which he's been raving about. Scott, I know you've talked up that changeup for Merrill Kelly. And he is available uh, in over 50% of CBS leagues. So Scott is going Merrill Kelly over Kyle uh, Kyle Wright. How about you, Chris? I guess I would go Kelly over Wright. I, I don't feel super strongly about it. This is... The difficult thing about what we're doing right now, even more so than a normal opening weekend, is like we're going off four innings for Merrill Kelly. Well, you know, and, and the, his spring training was pretty good and the velocity was up, but it's yeah, still a small a sample. Ton, like a ton of strikeouts. And we saw got, Mitch Keller. Ton of strikeouts Mitch Keller was throwing harder. He still yeah. wasn't good. So, well, you know, velocity is not everything. It's important. It's valuable. I'm just saying. I, like, I, dispute that I Mitch wish Keller we had a larger good. sample size with these. Guys. I, I am not willing to drop Mitch Keller after that first. Time. I'm not necessarily willing to drop Mitch Keller either. I'm planning on writing about this tomorrow, and what I would say is, I'm not going to have a long leash for him. If I get one more bad start from Mitch Keller, I'm I'm okay dropping him. 
Well, let's talk about Mitch Keller, not to be confused with <laughs> Merrill Kelly. So he allowed four and runs in six and four and runs in four innings. So bad ERA. Velocity was up 2.4 from last year's, which we expected. Throwing topping out at 99. He got nine whiffs on his 70 pitches. And his XERA for the start was 344. So I think Chris is trying to say something. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It, it's enough. It's enough it's for fine. me to maintain some optimism. I think. I'm just saying. So what I would say is with regards to someone like Mitch Keller, he isn't nearly pr- like given that the baseline level for him has been so bad. He I, I need to be impressed by him. And I was not impressed in the first start. He Would still you? looked more or less like the Mitch Keller. He's always been just with more velocity. That's yeah. not to say he will be that forever. It seems like he kind of got what? it seems like he kind of got babbipped in this start because he only allowed two hard hit balls in the entire sure, the, he, the the exit velo wasn't as bad as it has been. Yeah. Would you drop Mitch Keller for Kyle Wright? No. No. Would no, you I drop Mitch Keller for Merrill Kelly? That's probably closer. not. I wouldn't. I would do it for Tyler McGill, though. Yeah, I think yeah, I would do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. One other name I wanted to include in this mix was Kyle Gibson, who had a fantastic start himself against the Oakland A's. The thing is, every time a pitcher faces Oakland, you're just going to have the little asterisk next to it because the Oakland A's lineup, as we've highlighted, is terrible. But uh, Kyle Gibson went seven shutout, two hits allowed, zero walks, 10 strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes on 82 pitches. And he used his cutter uh, nearly 26% in the start last year. That was 15%. Uh, He's still 60% rostered, and he's at Miami this week. So even if you don't love him long-term, great matchup this week against the Miami Marlins. So, uh, Chris, where would... Gibson rank amongst Merrill Kelly and Kyle Wright. I would say behind them. All right. I would I would take the the flyer on the the guys with potential upside. All right. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything here from Gibson that made me think he's this transformed pitcher. He does this occasionally. About. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like he'll he have probably, some good starts. He'll have some bad starts. So those numbers will probably come out looking like they normally do. He will probably be more useful than Kyle Wright this season. You're just hoping that Kyle Wright can be more than useful. Yeah, and I think the roster percentage kind of reflects that too, Chris. I, I think a lot of people picked up Kyle Gibson for the start against Oakland, which makes a ton of sense. I think mm-hmm. you should be streaming many pitchers against the Oakland A's this year, uh, and I would be okay holding on to him for the second start against the Marlins. If nothing else, Gibson will be a strong streamer this upcoming sure. season. Uh, just a few other names here wanted to mention quickly. Zach Plesak, five and two-thirds shutout. Brad Keller, uh, six shutout, opposing him against the Cleveland Guardians. They're both widely... No, I'm lying. Zach Plesak is 83% rostered. Why? Why is that a thing? Uh, Brad Keller is 16% rostered. Any interest there? I, I Frankly, I like Brad Keller more than Zach Plesak, <laughs> but no, these are these are on a different category from the other pitchers we've talked about. I mean, Kel- Keller might be close to Gibson, He's had good years in the past. Last year was kind of a disaster. I noticed his slider velocity was way up in this start, and that is his best swing and miss pitch. So I, I could see Keller being Brad Keller. We got to specify which Keller. I could see Brad <laughs> Keller being streamable this year, but he's not. This isn't a, the sort of upside upside play you should be making off the waiver wire this time of year. Something I do want to watch with Brad Keller, he threw his changeup 
14.5% in this start. Last year, that was 6%. And I read an article over on The Athletic where uh, the whole Royals pitching staff worked with, I, I forgot what they called it or what the organization was, but like basically an outside company that came in and like basically helped them develop their pitches. And the changeup is one that they were talking up for Brad Keller. So just something to watch for now. You don't have to go and add him, but you know, 16% roster. Let's throw him on the scout team. I got to give a shout out to my man, Sean Manaya too. He just missed the cut here for me. Oh my goodness gracious. But seven no hit innings against the Arizona Diamondbacks, which Seems like it's becoming pretty popular because you, Darvish, went six no-hit innings the night before. Uh, one walk, seven strikeouts. The fastball velocity, which I, I want to watch closely early on with Sean Manaya, 91.1 miles per hour. Last year was 92.1. So, honestly, as great as the start was, it was fantastic. He looked awesome. He was getting a bunch of swings and misses out of the zone. A lot of first-pitch strikes. There was nothing that really stood out for me. So, as much as I love the start, uh, there was nothing that really... I don't know. Grab my attention. Was there anything for you guys? Can I throw one other pitcher who did pitch this weekend, but not in the majors, who might be worth adding over all of those guys? Mackenzie Gore? Mackenzie Gore. Tell me. Was awesome in his AAA debut. Uh, I think no walks in five innings, seven strikeouts. Yep. Continuing what he did in spring training when he looked really good. Can you know? Was the consensus top pitching prospect in baseball a couple of years ago before, you know, his mechanics just got really messed up and he seems to have figured things out. And with Blake Snell going on the IR or on IL today, it's entirely possible that when Kenzie Gore gets picked up, all of a sudden the Padres, you went from having six or seven starting pitchers to maybe five now. So yeah, I'm hoping Mackenzie Gore after a really impressive triple A debut uh, gets the call and, I think he would be like, I guess if I had to make a decision on Tyler McGill or Mackenzie Gore right now, I would pick up Tyler McGill. But if you're asking who has more upside, I don't think there's any question. It's Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's just put a bow on this conversation just in case, you know, pe- for people following along, Scott rank Gore, Kyle Wright, mm-hmm. Tyler McGill, Merrill Kelly. In terms of how much I want to roster them. Uh, I would say Gore. I would I would go Gore over Miguel. Uh, and then what were the other two names? Kyle Wright and Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly and then Kyle Wright, fourth. All righty. Uh, let's get into the news and notes. Before we do that, join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group if you haven't already. Lots of people asking uh, questions, and you know we try to get to as many questions, emails, uh, as we possibly can. I answer those in my downtime, but there are lots. So if you want to join our community and ask along over there, there's people constantly uh, helping each other out. So again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. News and notes. Lucas Giolito exited his start on Friday with a low abdominal strain. He's expected to land on the IL and miss two starts. Uh, Blake Snell, you already mentioned Chris, scratch from Sunday start with left adductor tightness and uh, likely headed to the IL. We just spoke about Mackenzie Gore, that awesome first start he had in the minors. Go out and add him if he is available in your league. Ryan Yarbrough will be placed on the IL with a groin injury of his own. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays haven't mentioned a replacement yet, but obviously they can get creative and maybe go with like an opener or something like that. Francisco Lindor was hit in the face with a pitch on Friday. X-rays were negative, and he seems fine because he hit a home run and he stole a base on Sunday in the same game. Sock in his shoes, Scott. Sock Let's go. Shoes. 
Francisco Lindor, my man. Uh, AJ Pollock suffered a hamstring strain on Saturday and was out of the lineup on Sunday. Pollock said he thinks it's just a short-term injury, but eh, hamstrings can definitely be tricky. He's about to go on paternity leave too, so he'll he'll get some time off either way. All right, so yeah, if you're time time away from playing baseball, <laughs> if you are setting your lineup for this upcoming week, you probably want to get AJ Pollock out, and maybe that you know gives you a little bit more incentive to uh, add Andrew Vaughn and start him this week. CJ Abrams has started two games against uh, right-handed pitching, but has sat both games against left-handed pitching this weekend. So it seems like that will be. The case for the time being, he's obviously in a platoon there. Matt Barnes was unavailable this weekend dealing with back tightness. I saw that Jake Diekman closed that game out for the Red Sox, and he he did so successfully. I think he struck out at least two batters. It might have been three, um, but he looked awesome. So On uh, Sunday? Yes. Yeah, he struck out all three. Mm, all right. So Jake Diekman, a name to uh, potentially add in, in deeper category leagues. Um, John Gray was placed on the IL Saturday with a blister. The Giants called up outfield prospect Elliot Ramos on Sunday. He hit sixth and he went two for three with a run scored. He is just 12% rostered in CBS leagues right now. And Chris, I know before we started, you were, uh, you were talking about Ramos and, and how you're pretty interested in him. What do you think about him versus like Quan and Connor Joe and, and Andrew Vaughn? Oh, he's behind all those guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I was talking about him for like a 15 team league. So it's not necessarily like I'm, you know, breaking the bank for him either. And I was hoping to kind of get him for cheap in a 15 team league. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, the Giants, even if he was on the roster for good moving forward, that's no guarantee he would play every day. Um, that's a team that loves to platoon and play matchups. So. But he's interesting. You know, he's got a pretty interesting skill set. I don't know if he's, you know, necessarily a must roster, but you know, I wanna wanna keep an eye on him. It doesn't seem like he has one standout trait, but maybe a yeah. you know, jack of all trades kind of guy. Last year he hit two fifty four in the minors, fourteen homers, fifteen steals, so some power, some speed. Uh, I think again, in any fifteen team, five outfielder leagues, maybe even twelve team five outfielder leagues, if you uh wanna take a shot on power and speed. Elliot Ramos is the name there. That's spelled H-E-L-I-O-T. Ian Happ left Saturday's game after getting hit by a pitch on his knee, and he was not in the lineup on Sunday. So, uh, Scott, I believe you had Ian Happ as one of your sleeper hitters. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have to see if he's good to go early on on yeah, Monday. Yeah, I, I usually take out anybody with an injury when I update that list on Sunday, but I left him in because I, I saw on the Cubs official website, David Ross says he should be available for... The series that begins on Tuesday, team has an off day Monday. So, uh, you know, off to a hot start, and they get four games at Colorado later in the week. All right, Key Brian Hayes was back in the lineup Saturday and Sunday after leaving opening day with a thumb injury. He had multiple hits on both Saturday and Sunday. Lucas Sims will begin a rehab assignment this week, and what a mess, Scott. I mean, the Cincinnati Reds, they're, they're just doing Cincinnati Reds things all over I again. Know. I don't know that it's a mess. I don't, I don't know. And that's that's the truest thing I could say about it. But my hunch is, uh, considering Tony Sentian, who got the first save, he was warming up in the bullpen, when was it, Thursday? Uh, yes. When it became a save situation. The, the, the Braves scored two runs in the eighth and made it a save situation. Sentian was already warming up, so he came in and got the save. 
Art Warren hadn't been used until Sunday because they they didn't have a safe situation Friday or Saturday. Art Warren had yet to make his season debut until they were faced with a very con- conventional build up to the ninth inning on Sunday, six three lead. Santian came in for the final out of the seventh of the seventh, pitched the whole eighth, and then Art Warren came in season debut. Uh, worked a very quick ninth, gave up a single, double play, got a strikeout. And uh, I don't know, that that leads me to believe, more than anything, it's just the fact they didn't use Art Warren in their first three games because they never had like a normal, okay, we're going into this inning, it's going to be a safe situation, let's get our closer up. They, they hadn't faced that situation yet. And when they did, it seemed like they were saving it for Art Warren, preserving that situation for Art Warren. So... You know, Lucas Sims could come back and throw a wrench in everything, but considering David Bell never really got behind him as the closer last year, I think Art Warren's definitely the guy to have in that bullpen. Okay, so no longer interested in adding Tony Santian. Not unless it's a safes plus holds league. All right, fair enough. Miles Straw signed a five-year, $25 million contract extension with the Cleveland Guardians. Pirates pitching prospect Ronzi Contreras was recalled on Friday. He's expected to pitch out of the bullpen while he gets stressed out. Uh, stretched out. He is 14. I'm stressed out right now. 14% rostered is Ronzi Contreras. Chris, would you be looking to add uh, Contreras anywhere? Uh, probably only in a 15-team league at this point. Okay. Yeah, I mean, NL only. really strong numbers in the minors last mm-hmm. year, but uh, I don't know how aggressive they're going to be in terms of um, like how, how many innings they're going to let him throw on a yeah. per-start basis. Some lineup notes I wanted to mention. Joe Adele, uh, talked about him a little bit earlier, but let's talk about it again now. He started just two of the Angels' four games this weekend, once uh, against a lefty and once was against a righty. Uh, he sat against Justin Verlander and Jake Odorizzi. Joe Madden explained that prior to... Taylor Ward's injury, he was slated to be the team's starting right fielder with Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele platooning in left field. That was the plan, supposedly. (laughs) Yeah, and and apparently he followed it up by saying that with off days, he expects to get all three of those outfielders 450 at bat. So, you know, maybe it's not as crazy as it sounds, but I don't know why you have your top prospect up in the majors to be the weak side of a platoon. That's your just, top two prospects. Yeah, true. That platooning <laughs> with each other. In uh, <laughs> favor. But but here's the crazy thing is Ward is, like Ward isn't healthy. He's on the IL, and yet he's still only played Adele against yeah. the handed pitchers the Angels have faced. So... That is not a recipe for success for Adele and, and obviously not a recipe for using him in fantasy. And like, I don't want to give up on Adele because there's like tons of upside here and it might only take, you know, it, it might, it might just take a couple good games in a row from him and suddenly he's an everyday player, but yeah. he hasn't forced the issue yet. So yeah. strikeouts in his first nine plate appearances, but I'm not dropping him yet. I think in three outfielder leagues. Oh, sure, sure, but he was to consider it right. But he was fringy in a three outfielder league, even for us who liked him. Yeah, yeah. Especially you know a lot of the three outfielder leagues are head-to-head points leagues too, and that's not his best format. He's probably still going to strike out about a quarter of the time and doesn't walk all that much. So, yeah, if you play in a in a head-to-head points league with three outfielders, I think you probably could move on and honestly just ride the hot hand with with outfielders. 
yeah. not forever. Like keep an eye on Adele and his playing time and all of that. But I, but I think it just comes yeah. down to like, if he hits, it's not going to matter. He just has to hit first. Right. You know? Right. I agree. A few other lineup notes. Each of Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu, and Aaron Hicks sat once for the Yankees this weekend. So still trying to figure out what the playing time is going to look like for each of those guys. But you know, as of now, that it's just a rotation. Uh, Jazz Chisholm hit eighth and ninth in his two starts this weekend. He didn't play against a tough lefty in Carlos Rodon on Saturday. Uh, his career numbers against righties and lefties are nearly identical. And but, I, I will say, I, Don Mattingly is the man, the, the kind of manager who wants everyone in the lineup at least once during the first weekend. He's you know done that pretty much every year, and Marlins B writers talked about that as well. So I don't think there was anything that I think it was just he was going to get a day off at some point this weekend. Everybody in the lineup did, I'm pretty sure. So why not do it against Carlos Rodon? Mm. Who looked... Oh, my. <laughs> so freaking good. Carlos Rodon, I mean, that guy could have oh been... My oh, my goodness gracious, too. Five innings, yeah. one run, 12 strikeouts, 24 yeah. swinging strikes. His fastball yeah. velo was up two miles per hour on average from where it was last year. 97.4 yeah. in this start last year. It was 95.4. I look back at his game log. There were only three starts where he averaged more than 97 miles per hour uh, out of his 24 starts last season. So only three times he did that, and he did that on opening day. So maybe he was just yeah. like super jacked up, but either way, he looked amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he, I, he looked well worth a qualifying offer. The concern with Jazz would be that he hit eighth and ninth. I think that's yeah. a legitimate concern. Jorge Soler is batting leadoff for the Marlins. Um, but the getting a day off, like I don't think Jazz Chisholm is at risk of being a platoon player or anything like that. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, Scott, how are we doing? I don't know. You're still breaking up, Scott. Uh, maybe back out of the room and then join back in and, and hopefully we'll, we'll get you back on track here. Let's take a quick break. And when we return, I do have another uh, waiver wire hitter I want to ask Chris about. We'll do that here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, we are back, and I want to ask you about Jeremy Pena, Chris, someone I know you drafted Mm -hmm. in our For the People League, and this weekend was pretty impressive for him. Six for 16, he hit his first career home run on Friday. He is 70% rostered on CBS Leagues, and the top four most added shortstops... In CBS, are, they're all pretty intriguing. It's C.J. Abrams, Bryson Stott, Jeremy Pena, Gavin Lux. I think I like Pena the most just because I feel the most confident in his playing time. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a decent chance that Stott and Lux are both uh, platoon bats unless they just light the world on fire. Pena's going to play every day. Abrams looks like a platoon bat as well. I think you can make a case for... Abrams ahead of Pena in a Roto League specifically because of the stolen base potential. But I also think there's a chance that he's just, you know, up for a couple of weeks and just doesn't play enough and they send him down. You know, that, that seems entirely possible to me. Obviously, it depends on whether he hits. But yeah, I think Pena would probably be the one I would want most out of those four. I'm, I'm trying to keep Abrams stashed everywhere I can for the upside. Yeah, yeah the stolen base upside alone makes him... Even in points leagues, I mean, in theory, he's not going to strike out as much as Pena, who's who struck out a lot already and and doesn't have good plate discipline overall. So, like, I I definitely feel like Abrams is the upside play here, but they're not ready to play him against lefties yet, and and maybe like you said, Chris, he he just won't hit well enough, period, and get sent down. But I, I've, I've invested in him in a lot of leagues. Mm-hmm. I just want to plant it on my bench until I see how this plays out because the upside is considerable more more than more than uh more than Pena has I think quality of contact stuff for Pena has is somewhat encouraging so far he's hit the ball well uh 107 max exit velocity is not incredible um but you know like for for reference like Stephen Kwan was 103 so far 101 so you know it is still at least a little better than that um but that's the big question with Pena because he's basically only hit for power in one like 30 game stretch in his career. And it was at the end of last season when he came back from a wrist injury. So that's the big question. But the playing time is safe enough for him that I'm, you know, certainly above Gavin Lux and uh, and Bryson Stott. All right. In deeper leagues, a few names that I was targeting in like my 15 teamers, they might be available in like some AL and only uh, Jerickson Profar, he had a big weekend. He had a home run on Friday, Grand Slam on Sunday. He's got seven games this week. Brad Miller went four for 11 with two home runs. He's now on the Texas Rangers and leading off against right-handed pitching uh, in the games mm-hmm. that he started against righties. So, I mean, you know, batting ahead of Marcus Semien and, and Corey Seager, there's there's some intrigue there for me. Uh, and then Diego Castillo with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he went three for five with two runs scored on Sunday. All three of these are 11% rostered or less on CBS. Scott, any interest in deeper leagues in these names? Profar, Miller, Castillo. I think Profar is the least interesting of them. I, I have interest in the other two. 
Brad Miller, you know, he's not going to play against lefties. So I think he, no matter how hot he gets, he's probably best left for those deeper leagues. I think Sunday was Castillo, Diego Castillo's first start, which was disappointing because he had a huge spring and won, won a job with some, won the job with some fanfare, but it turns out he may have only been winning a bench job. But he did go. He did get three hits in that first start, so hopefully that encourages the Pirates to play him more. I think of the three, he's the one who could break through as a mixed league option. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get over to some pitchers here, and we're going to fire up for the first time this season. The worryometer. How does it work? Ten. We're freaking out. Like, we cannot be more scared of a player than if they rank 10 on the worryometer. One, eh, it's fine. This, this player's going to be all right. Let's talk about Robbie Ray, uh, who it's kind of weird to have him on this list because he was actually really good in his start. Seven innings, one run, four walks, five strikeouts, had 17 swinging strikes. But Chris, the fastball velocity down two and a half miles per hour for Robbie Ray in his start. The slider was down 2.3 miles per hour. And... Last year, that's something we kept referencing, and I think that did contribute to his breakout Cy Young season was that increased velocity. What, what do you make about this for Robbie Ray? Where are you at on the worryometer? It's not nothing, but I would say this is probably a two or three right now. Um, you know, Robbie Ray, given the fact that he did pitch well, I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt there. I can't tell if Scott is meditating or if he's frozen again. But right now, for those watching on the YouTube side, <laughs> his eyes are just closed. Maybe he's really bored of Robbie Ray and he just doesn't want to talk about him. All right, no. He's starting he start to make it back. I don't know what's going on, Scotty. Am but I, uh, I don't know what's going on either. Yeah, the internet connection, they don't like us today. Uh, let's you move guys over. are to- interrupted for me. Unin- <laughs> um, uninterrupted for me. Uh, Scott, 1 to 10 on Robbie Ray. I would say 3 for now. It's kind of the double whammy of, okay, the velocity was way down and two and a half miles per hour. I mean, that's nothing to, to sneeze at. And he walked four batters, which mm-hmm. you know, more than even the velocity gain last year, the control improvement was the big the, the key to his breakthrough. But it is just one start. Uh, so the walks in one start shouldn't really mean that much. It's... It's like with Shane Bieber. I wasn't on the show, but you know, anytime we're talking about the one start sample size with uh, velocity, is like it's it's concerning if Robbie Ray is just throwing ninety two miles per hour with his fastball now. You know, it's concerning if Shane Bieber is just throwing ninety miles per hour with his fastball. Is it concerning enough right now to do anything about it? No, I don't think so. Um, which, like, yeah. you know, it, in our for the people podcast, like we saw someone make a Julio Arias panic trade. I wouldn't do that. But five With starts me. from now, <laughs> if these guys are throwing, you know, two and a half miles an hour slower than they did last year. Yeah. Then, well, you know, it, and that's not it, to say that Robbie Ray will definitely there. be. It's not to say Robbie Ray will definitely be less effective. Mm-hmm. It's really likely that Robbie Ray and Shane Bieber and Julio Arias will be less effective if they're throwing two and a half miles per hour lower. Like that's just, that's a significant number. We're not talking about one mile per hour. Yeah. yeah. But we, we've you know, seen it, it also like if Robbie Ray gets 17 swinging strikes in each of his next four starts and his velo- and he's averaging 93 miles per hour with his fastball, I'm not going to be that concerned. F- five starts from now, the velocity is still down and they're struggling to perform. Like if, if they're getting a lot of whiffs and the velocity is down, I'm not sure I care that much. And Robbie Ray did get a lot of whiffs in this start. 
Uh, and, and Shane Bieber got a decent amount in his start. The one whose fastball velocity was down two plus miles per hour, who just looked completely ineffective, was Julio Arias. Mm-hmm. And that was the panic trade that you mentioned, Chris. I was offered Arias straight up for Max Muncy in an OBP league. And I hesitated. I did. Uh, partly, I have some concerns about Max Muncy himself with the elbow. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's 100%. I don't think anyone thinks it's 100%. And um, he didn't hit in the spring. He hasn't hit so far. And I'm not ready to write off Max Muncy or anything. But I have some concerns there, too. So that made it pretty easy to pull the trigger on a guy I would have drafted three rounds, three, four rounds earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's worth pointing out. So those are the three most significant velocity drops, Ray Bieber and Arias. But there are a, there been a lot of velocity drops of more like one and a half miles per hour across the league. Like I, I, I do think there's an element of after a three-week spring training, a lot of pitchers yeah. just aren't ready yet. Uh, and it manifests as more than just velocity. Some of the pitch selection, like Brandon Woodruff got crushed over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And he threw 70% fastball. And he's normally like a 60% fastball guy, but you know, when there's when you're throwing 70% fastballs, there's there's just nothing to keep hitters off the fastball, you know, and he just yeah. may not have built up his secondaries enough yet. Uh, and of course, there were a lot of four-inning starts because just pure pitch count. So and then there's you know, weather and you know, yeah, a lot of 40 degree games. So it's yeah. yeah. Robbie Ray yeah. was pitching in Minnesota, which look, I don't know what the weather was on Friday, but I think it's reasonable for it to be pretty cold in Minnesota this time of year. So uh, definitely yeah. could have contributed there. Julio Rios, I mean, we've referenced him a few times now. We didn't actually mention what he did. He gave up six runs in Coors Field, worth adding yeah. that. Uh, two innings pitched, mm-hmm. two walks, zero strikeouts. The fastball velo down 2.7 miles per hour. The curve was down 1.1 miles per hour. Um, Scott, you traded for him. You just mentioned that. But where are you at, like, worryometer-wise? One to ten on, on Arias. Uh, so higher than Ray, I would guess. I already gave Ray a three. I guess I gotta go. I guess I gotta go five. Because here's yeah. the thing: this was his lowest average velocity for any appearance. I think I saw one of the Dodgers beat writers report any appearance ever. This was his lowest average velocity, and the velocity was also down in his previous exhibition outing against the Angels. So it's now he says he's healthy. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. He's not worried about it. And Dave Roberts doesn't seem... He just thinks he's not built up enough yet. The Dodgers are totally downplaying it for what it's worth. But I will... Like, it's worth saying relative to... Like, I think Robbie Ray is also relatively unproven in the same way that Julio Rios is. Like, these are both guys coming off huge breakout seasons. But there are reasons to be... Like they, they have more to prove in my eyes than Shane Bieber does, even as someone who's relatively skeptical of Shane Bieber. So, you know, th- there's also that. Like Brandon Woodruff, we haven't you haven't asked us where we are on the scale on him. That's a zero or a point five. Like that that guy has earned the benefit of the doubt pitching at a very high level for three straight seasons now. That's just one start. Jose Barrios, that's probably a one. Mm-hmm. You know, Julio Arias is a little higher because the velocity is down, but also because, you know, he he hasn't p- performed at that ace level for multiple seasons in a row. He's coming off a gigantic innings jump. Um, so there are performance risks, injury risks with him 
uh, as well. Plus, as all, plus as what he's, we've he's seen. got he's got a lower margin for error because he's not a big bat mister. <clears throat> yeah. Now, uh, I was fine with it because the track record, a lot of it in relief, consistently showed him as a low XERA guy. Good, but it's also course field. So there's a lot of there's yeah, a lot yeah. of factors involved. Yeah. Yeah. Lots sure. of moving parts here. Chris, would you bench Julio Arias this week? Uh, at home against the Cincinnati Reds. Not against the Reds. Okay, how about Jose Barrios? You mentioned that. You're not worried about him. He's at the Yankees this week. I probably wouldn't bench him, but I'm I'm not thrilled that that's his next matchup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about Noah Syndergaard because he actually turned in a strong performance against the Houston Astros. Five and, two, uh, five and one-third shutout with two hits, two walks, only one strikeout, but... 12 swinging strikes on 76 pitches uh, is very good. The fastball down three miles per hour compared to where he was at two years yeah. ago, back in 2019. His slider was down five miles per hour. So, Scott, it's kind of a mixed bag here. Overall, a good start, but the velocity way down for Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty worrisome. The results were good throughout spring training. And, and like, good. so he didn't allow... Any runs, many runs? How many runs did he give up in this outing? He did not give up any runs. Okay, so he didn't allow any runs. He had only the... How many strikeouts? Sorry, my notes are too cluttered. Only one, one strikeout. One strikeout. Okay, thank you. But he no didn't get runs, hit hard. One strikeout. That's normally like, okay, he actually gave up four runs. You know, if I see yeah. that combination of runs and strikeouts. Except he had all those whiffs. 12 whiffs on 76 pitches. So it's like, okay, clearly he was fooling people. Yeah. So, like, I have a really hard time. Like, overall, I'm very worried. But, like, I know nobody's going to blow me away with an offer for Noah Syndergaard right now either. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of letting it ride and hoping for the best. There, there's, there's a smidgen of hope there still with all those whiffs. Yeah, like if if you're calibrating it to like Noah Syndergaard's chances of being a well above average pitcher, I think my rating would be pretty high in terms of how concerned I am. But you didn't draft him to be a high end pitcher. Yep. You know, he he right. didn't cost very much. So I also think like just ride it and just, you know, maybe I don't know if I'm like excited to start him. You know, Texas hit the ball really, really well this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's got them this weekend. I'm I think he's an iffy start or this week, but you know, I'm not dropping Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, no, we're not dropping him, but again, yeah, tough matchup here against Let's Texas. Go. Probably want me to put a number on it. I'll say like uh, seven or eight. Okay. Uh, I do have a bit of a theory, though. Like he threw his sinker and his fastball usage a lot less in the start, and he threw his secondaries, mm-hmm. his changeup in a slider. So this might just That's be what him. you would expect. It, it might be just be him learning how to pitch without velocity, yeah. which. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're from going from. If you're going from averaging 99 to averaging 95, you're probably not going to be able to throw your fastball as much. Like yeah. That's just. That's how most pitchers age. You know, most pitchers throw their fastballs less as they get older anyway, you know, which comes along with throwing uh, lower velocity. So that's, it's also like some guys can't manage that. Mm-hmm. You know, like Matt Harvey, when he was throwing 94, 95 instead of 97, 98 was terrible. So it's just a question of whether Noah Syndergaard can overcome that. And I, I think the, the jury's very much still out. I want to talk about velocity readings the other way now. Uh, Logan Gilbert made a start on Saturday. Five innings, one run, seven strikeouts. He had 14 swinging strikes on 85 pitches. His slider velo was up three miles per hour. His curveball and his changeup was up 
five miles per hour compared to last year. Again, that is Logan Gilbert. Carlos Rodon, we spoke about him earlier. And then Herman Marquez looked really strong against the Dodgers on Saturday. Seven innings, one run, five strikeouts. His fastball was up 1.2 miles per hour. His slider uh, up 1.4. His curveball was up 1.8. Scott, any optimism here or any takeaways in general uh, with Logan Gilbert and Herman Marquez with the velo up? I mean, the Gilbert thing means more to me because he. There was a whole storyline behind the mm-hmm. the harder slider this spring and and working with Jacob Degrom and all of that and and the immediate returns were strong. Herman uh, Marquez, I think, is always going to be pretty frustrating. Now he he managed to do this at Coors Field against the Dodgers, but. But we've we've seen him have I, turn in impressive course starts. Course course field, whether the start is good or bad, I don't think you can ever take anything from it. This this has kind of been the thing with course field is just it's so different that like even if what he did in in uh, his most recent start was repeatable, even if it did have predictive power, I don't think it would have predictive power for him pitching anywhere else because course field is such a unique environment. A few pitch mix changes I noticed this weekend. Luis Severino, he made a start Saturday against the Red Sox. He only went three innings. He allowed two runs, five strikeouts. Fastball velocity looked great. So, you know, you'd love to see that for Severino. He used a new cutter 17% of the time. And uh, he used his slider just 6% in the start. Back in 2018, last time we saw Severino for a full year, he used his slider 36%. So I know. That's, that's, yeah. that's discouraging to me because the slider was... The wipeout yeah. pitch. That was the yeah, five swing swing that misses. Yep. Would you, yeah. uh, Scott? Would you bench Severino against the Blue Jays this week? I think it's <laughs> pretty easy oh, to do. Oh, if I could help it, yeah. 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 The other one was Chris Bassett at the Nationals on Saturday, and he's someone who typically throws a bunch of different pitches, like five or six different pitches. He looked great in this one. Six shutout, three hits, one walk. Eight strikeouts. Uh, he used his slider nearly twenty five percent in this start last year. That was ten percent. So I'm look if that slider is a legit weapon for Bassett and he's using it more, then maybe we could see more strikeout upside with him this season. A few other pitching standouts I wanted to quickly mention: Verlander, five innings, one run, seven strikeouts against the Angels. Uh, Carlos Carrasco on Sunday against the Nationals, five and two thirds, one run, five strikeouts, and then Hunter Green, uh, specifically early in that start, just looked awesome against the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta, five innings, three runs, seven strikeouts. He had 14 swinging strikes on 92 pitches. Uh, Chris, any takeaways for these three Verlander, Carrasco, Hunter green. I think you have to be encouraged by Verlander and Carrasco, Carrasco, especially because I think Verlander, we were all higher on anyway. And, yeah. Did we all end up with him in the top 20 at starting pitcher by, before the end of yeah. uh, spring I training? Yeah, so. I had him like 16th. Yeah, I yeah. might have gotten him close to the top 15. Hunter Green looked really good. Threw 92 pitches in his major league debut. Um, control was a little iffy. I think it was, you know, like a 60% strike rate, which isn't great. But yeah, the 99.7 mile per hour average fastball velocity in a game where he threw 92 pitches. That is, I mean, he's... I don't know if we've seen a starting pitcher at this level. I mean, Noah Syndergaard was around that level, but I didn't 99.7. That's like where Jacob DeGrom was. Yeah. That that was the only one I could think of. Chris was DeGrom. That's really, I mean, 14 swinging strikes, eight with the fastball, which is to be expected at that velocity. There's a really high spin rate fastball as well. 
five with the the slider, the changeup looked okay. Mm-hmm. I think this was a very, very encouraging major league debut for Hunter Green. And um I'm very encouraged that they let him throw that many pitches in his first start. Yeah. No, overall, no, was- I, I, I thought it wasn't an impressive start. Scott, I think I might bench Hunter Green this week, though. He's at the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a must bench, but it, it, that would definitely be my preference. What's I'm his so roster? Okay, 79%. So wherever he's available, I think he's probably the number one starting pitcher to add, even ahead of yeah. like someone like Tyler McGill. Yep. Yeah. The, the upside here is is significant. Yeah, I'm so relieved about Carlos Carrasco because yeah, I, I he's just he's even when even the years he's been good, sometimes it's taken him a while to yeah. be good, you know. And I was afraid I'd, I'd have him on all the sleeper pitchers list, and he'd just get bombed right away, and I'd have to spend a month defending him. <laughs> nobody would believe me. I'm glad we're not starting down that path already. He looked he looked really good. And Carrasco, someone you should look to start this week. He's going up against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Maybe he'll throw a no-hitter. Hitter studs being studs this weekend. Some quick mentions. Alex Bregman, two home runs already. Love to see it coming off of the wrist surgery. Gene Segura hit two home runs this weekend. Wander Franco had two three-hit games. He also stole a base on Sunday. Welcome sight. Let's get Wander Franco running. Luis Robert, five hits with two steals this weekend. Byron Buxton with the uh, double dong on Sunday. He leads baseball with three homers. And Seiya Suzuki, three for eight, four walks, also has four strikeouts, hit his first home run on Sunday, which came off of Freddie Peralta. I I was just very impressed with Seiya Suzuki this yeah. weekend. I mean, going up against Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, uh, Freddie Peralta looking like you belong and then hitting that long home run off of Freddie Peralta. That is that is impressive for your first weekend of baseball. So, uh, say Suzuki, nice job so far. The call to the bullpen. Let's uh, whoo, see how oh, wait, many. I wanted to, with Wander Franco, Yep. I saw a note that his average exit velocity in the spring was up about three miles per hour mm-hmm. from where it was as a rookie. That's been right. the same through, I mean, it's only three days, three games uh, so far, but that's a good sign. I think he's hit. I think three of his five hardest hit balls for his career have come in the first three games of this season so far. So that's that's encouraging because you know the quality of contact metrics for him last season were pretty mediocre. So he did have to take a step forward, and at least so far it's early, but some signs of that. All right, let's take a look at some bullpens here for Tampa Bay this weekend. Andrew Kittredge pitched in the eighth inning in a tie game on Friday. He faced two, three, and four in the Orioles lineup. Then the Rays took the lead. Uh, J.P. Fireisen pitched the first two outs in the ninth. Lefty Brooks Raley got the final out against Cedric Mullins and got the save. And then on Saturday, uh, Andrew Kittredge pitched in the ninth, gave up one run, but picked up his first save of the season. For the Mariners on Friday, Paul Sewell pitched in the eighth, and he faced the top of the order in a one-run game. Drew Steckenrider got the save after that. He is uh, 58% rostered. Diego Castillo then got the save on Saturday. Obviously, both Seawald and Steckenrider pitched on Friday. Uh, Scott, would you be out? Uh, would you be going out and adding Steckenrider in categories leagues right now? Uh, it feels it feels like kind of a desperation play. That's going to be that's going to be pretty messy. I know Kittredge isn't available in those leagues, but like, I feel better about that situation. Like, I think he's clearly the leverage guy for the Rays and. Usually that's going to mean he works the ninth for the save, but sometimes not. All right, let's talk about the Giants. Gabe Kapler, whoa, buddy boy. Jake McGee 
pitched in the eighth inning on Friday with a one-run lead. He faced the three, four, and five in the Marlins lineup. Camilo Duvall got their first save opportunity, promptly gave up three hits and three runs. Then on Saturday, Jake McGee pitched in the seventh inning with the game tied. He gave up two hits, a run. He took the loss. Camilo Duvall pitched uh, one inning later in the eighth. And then on Sunday, Tyler Rogers pitched in the eighth inning. Uh, Dominic Leone got two strikeouts and picked up the save. Obviously, McGee and Duvall likely not available because they pitched on mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday. Uh, Chris, do you have any idea what's going on with the Giants already? Uh, I would think Duvall is in a better spot having gotten that first save opportunity, but of the situations we've talked about so far, Tampa might be the one where I feel most confident in one guy getting 50% of the save opportunities, but even there, I think it's probably pretty close to 50-50 in terms of not 50-50 one guy versus one guy, but, you know, Kittredge getting 50%. uh, but mix of others. Yeah, I think Duvall... McGee are probably pretty close. Not more than five saves for Jake McGee this year. <laughs> Feeling good about that bold prediction already. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so you are going with Camilo Duvall to get the next save opportunity, Scott, for the Giants? Yeah, I presume he would have if he would have been available. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe Dominic Leone and striking out two for the save. He's He looked good. He's earned a bigger piece of... Kapler's trust, but yeah, it's like, um, Duvall it's, gave up a home run to Jazz Chisholm on a ball that off the bat I thought was a pop fly, and it just he's really strong, but it wasn't like he pitched incredibly poorly or anything like that. So, yeah, I've been careful not to drop Duvall, even, even when he said McGee's the closer, which was clearly a lie. <laughs> <sighs> I've been careful not to drop Duvall. Yeah, I'm trying to because there's there are a lot of so like Anthony Bender's only 35% roster now. I dropped Duvall for Bender. I drop any any Mariners guy for Bender. Bender is the Marlins closer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and he's only 35% rostered. Art Warren, who we talked about earlier, he's 32% rostered. I I'd think rather I'd have drop- Duvall or I'd rather have Duvall than, than okay. Warren. It's close, but I, I think I'd rather have Warren than Duvall. I just I think Sims is going to be the closer if he gets back relatively soon and looks okay. But that's more my faith in Sims than anything else. Okay. Uh, and then let's see. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if he's further down here. Daniel Bard, 11% yep. rostered. Now, here's the thing. He was terrible last year. He was <laughs> yep. pretty good the year before. His stuff certainly seems good. Like he throws 99. He struck out the side against the Dodgers at Coors Field to get that first save. And, you know, clearly they decided he needed to be the closer over Alex Colomay, who has a much longer track record. So, like, I'd take him over any of the Mariners guys, I think. But I'd keep Duvall over him. I'd keep Art Warren over him. Bart could be okay. We kind of liked him going in. I know you and I kind of liked him going into last year, Frank. Yeah, I drafted him. A, okay. I drafted him a bunch, and then I think he wound up with like a a six or seven <laughs> yeah, ERA. Well, he was terrible. But yeah, he was terrible. The strikeouts but, are, are there. He may, he's got the stuff, and of course, yeah, he performed his first time out. So it looks like for now, um, yeah, Daniel Bard is a guy. He's only eleven percent rostered on CBS. So 
any kind of categories league or honestly, even in a, in a head-to-head points league where you don't have a SPARP, if you're looking for someone who we think is like the closer for their respective team, I think it's Daniel Bard for now. For the Padres, Bob Melvin said that Taylor Rogers is his closer and he told the truth. Uh, two clean <laughs> saves for Taylor Rogers on Friday and Saturday. We don't get that often nowadays, guy. You know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I get excited it's, whenever it's, it actually does happen. For the, I believed Bob Melvin. Nice, yeah. Uh, for the Minnesota Twins on Saturday, Tyler Duffy entered with a one-run lead. He gave up three hits uh, and two runs. He took the loss. Uh, Yoan Duran and uh, Jorge Alcala pitched the day before, and both guys have looked pretty good thus far. For the Atlanta Braves on Saturday, Will Smith got the save, but that was because Kenley Jansen pitched the day before, and he gave up three runs on Friday. So that's why they went with uh, Will Smith on Saturday. For the Nationals on Sunday, Tanner Rainey, Gave up a hit, but he picked up the save in a two-run game. Kyle Finnegan pitched in the eighth inning. Chris, uh, only 15% rostered here. I know coming into the season, we, we didn't really want to have anything to do with the Nationals, but Dave Martinez said he wanted Rainey to be the guy. He gets the first save. He's only 15% rostered. I'm kind of interested. I mean, I, I just don't think he's good. But sure. if he is good, then he will probably be the closer moving forward. You know, that's... So yeah, sure. They just yeah, don't have 15%. any. They, they just don't have anybody who's good in that bullpen. Yeah, so like that's the thing know. is if he's good enough. I mean, he doesn't even have to be good. I think it's similar to Daniel Bard. If he's good enough, he'll probably just be the closer moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sure. Yeah, I mean, we're, we we need saves. Yeah, we do. Uh, and then for the Cubs on Sunday, they were down five to four. David Robertson pitched in the eighth inning, and Michael Givens pitched in the ninth inning. I. Don't know if this yeah. matters at all. Obviously, Robertson got the save on opening day. So they were losing. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, David Robertson hadn't worked since Thursday, so I think he probably needed work. That was part of the thinking. Yeah, I mean, he might be used like the leverage guy, which means usually in line for the save, but maybe not always. I tell you, for me, it's probably a tough call between Daniel Bard and David Robertson, who I'd prefer. I think Robertson, but I'm not convinced Robertson is that good either. You know, and if it's if there's more clarity with Bard, and it's just a saves league, obviously not saves plus hold. I wish I wish I had a little more info on how the Cubs were going to play it, but I'm I'm kind of leaning more. No, I, I would take Robertson over Bard, but it's a close call. All right, let's wrap up here with to stream or not to stream. These are uh, matchup starts to play in a daily lineup league. So we will start with Monday and a uh, bunch of names here. I'll just read them off. You guys can give me like your two or three favorites. Jamison Tyone is going up against the Blue Jays. Carlos Hernandez against the Guardians. Uh, Dakota Hudson against the Pirates. Zach Thompson at the Cardinals. Adrian Hauser at the Orioles. Austin Gomber at the Rangers. Taylor Hearn versus the Rockies. That's with the Rockies on the road. Luis Patino versus Oakland. Waskar Yanoa versus the Nationals. Uh, Dylan Bundy versus the Mariners. Michael Lorenzen versus the Marlins. Eliezer Hernandez at the Angels. And Nick Martinez at the Giants. Chris, do you have two or three names here that you like? Uh, I think Eliezer Hernandez, Luis Patino, although I have concerns about how much Patino is going to pitch because I don't think he pitched much in the spring. Uh, those two stand out, and then I would say probably I wish the matchup was better, but Zach Thompson I think is interesting. Mm. 
I like Waskari Noah. I feel like we get him in there. Yeah, you know, versus Washington again, not sure how much he's going to pitch. Yeah. I was going to pick the two ground ball guys, uh, Dakota Hudson against the Pirates and Adrian Hauser at Baltimore because I at least trust them to keep runs off the board, you know? Yeah. I Yeah, those are the ones that probably, and just in terms of matchups, Hudson, Hauser, uh, Patino against Oakland, Enoa against the Nationals. Uh, yeah. Those are probably... The, Top four, I would say. And then on Tuesday, we have Yusei Kikuchi at the Yankees, Nestor Cortez versus the Blue Jays, Drew Smiley at the Pirates, Jose Quintana versus the Cubs, Tyler McGill at the Phillies, and Eric Lauer at the Orioles. I think Smiley and Quintana are RP eligible, but even that's not enough. Uh, McGill's the only one here. Right. Nestor Cortez is interesting. Maybe Lauer at the Orioles. Maybe. Not, uh, not Nestor Cortez against the Blue Jays. Yeah, I like Lauer at the Orioles, Frank, but I, McGill at Philadelphia mm-hmm. looks like a tough lineup, but after that first start he had, yeah. he's the one I'd trust most of this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get him on your team anyway. <laughs> Pick him up for a stream and then keep him around because I think uh, upside is pretty enticing here for Tyler McGill. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.